Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles tonight, we're studying things about our relationship to the church, how to interact, find your place. You can turn to Romans chapter 11. We'll begin there tonight. You know, it says in the book of Joshua chapter 5, God began to change the momentum of Israel as they had been wandering in the desert for 40 years while an entire generation died off. Disobedience caused them not to go in and possess the promised land. But a new generation had raised up. Moses had died and Joshua was now in charge. God began to move, the Bible says, the five different kings in that region in which they crossed the Jordan. The Bible says there wasn't any fight in them when they saw the movement of the children of Israel. And God began to work outside the camp, and He also worked inside the camp. As He worked inside the camp, the Scripture says this about the Israelites. It says they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. Now if we take that and we use that as a type and a shadow of what we uh, see in the Word of God today in the New Testament in which we live, the New Covenant in which we live, we'll see that God has a place for us. Amen? Each and every believer, the Bible says of God that He adds to the church daily those that should be saved. So God adds people that get saved to a church, to a body, to a functioning body. Now He does that so that your life can receive purpose and direction uh, from the kingdom of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the preeminence of the church and the kingdom of God in your life will be that which literally directs and guides you in the affairs of life. Now let me just, let me kind of qualify that because there are competing forces for your attention, for your effort, for your uh, uh, strength, for your gifts, for all that you need to do to survive on this crazy planet. Amen? You know, you, you have an education, you have a job, you have, you have children that you're raising, maybe you have grandchildren, you might be retired, you might be just going into the, into the workforce, uh, young, old, middle-aged, doesn't matter. All of these different things in our life compete for everything that we are, who we are, what we have, what we do. And we have to find the correct balance. Now, the Wednesday night crowd is always my favorite crowd. When I used to travel, the Monday night crowd was my favorite crowd because Monday night football was always on Monday night. And the crowd that came to church on Monday night, man, I I just consider them, you know, the cream of the crop. (laughs) Amen? Now, when you make a decision in your life, You've got a job, you're married, you have a job, you have children that you're raising, you have all this other stuff going on. But when you make a decision to let your activity in the church to be the most important activity that you're involved in, you've made a decision in your life which is going to help you proceed down the path of righteousness and the blessings of God quicker than anything else you can do. Quicker than praying, quicker than just confessing the Word, quicker than doing anything else in life 
your connection to your local church will help you enter into the fullness of the provision of God for your life, which is not natural, it's supernatural. Did you know every time you come to church and you're taught the Word of God, every time you sing these songs that we sing, every time you give in those offering uh, receptacles that go by, every time you shake a hand or, or greet someone or encourage someone, every time you have fellowship with, every time you do something that is considered one of the activities of the church that you belong to, you not only strengthen yourself, but you strengthen the church that you belong to. And every person in here, now listen to me, Every person in here, you have a purpose in this church. There are no bench warmers in the body of Christ. Amen? No bench warmer. Anything that I was a bench warmer at for very long, I quit doing found something else where I didn't have to be a bench warmer. Let me know what I'm talking about. I like to participate. I don't like being a spectator. I don't go to football games for this one reason. They won't let me play. Amen? You say, well, you're not able to play. I still want to. That doesn't matter. So you must understand that your participation in the kingdom is directly tied to your participation in the body of Christ. In traveling, the years that we traveled, there was such an intense reality of the necessity of churches to grow and prosper that I geared by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God my entire ministry, not to build upon the gift of God in my life, but to build the local churches that I was a part of. The local church that I was a part of, I, I was part of developing the ministerial association. And it was mostly made up, I would say at least three quarters, maybe even more, was made up of the, of the uh, husbands and wives that were pastors of the churches that I preached in. Because every, listen to, every pastor that I preached for, out of the church in which I was sent, I felt like the church that I attended was a good enough church to help them in their endeavor in pastoring. Amen? Now you say, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Then you need to find you a better church. You need to think about your church. I like what one, we, we used to preach in a church that said this, they always said that, you know how we pray our prayer at the end of the service, say we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the They would say this. If, if uh, how would that, let me get, make sure I get it right so I don't have to say it two or three times. They would say, uh, if everybody in my church treated my church like, like I treat my church, what would my church be like? And that was a great church, powerful church, did great things in the, in the area in which, uh, it was uh, established in. We were blessed to be a part of it for many years. So you've got to understand, God has a purpose, God has a place, and God has a provision. Your provision is directly tied to your purpose and place. Now let me say that again. Your provision in the kingdom is directly tied to your purpose and place. Now are you there in a, a, a Romans chapter 11? Let me, let me read this. First uh, I believe it's verse 29 here. Yeah, verse 29. It says, For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Let me, let me read it in the Amplified. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. He does not change His mind about those to whom he gives His grace 
or to whom he sends his call. Now in context of what this scripture is talking about, he's talking about the nation of Israel and how the nation of Israel, literally if you'll study the chapter, it's an amazing truth that God gives. That God literally took the nation of Israel and put it on the back burner of his plans and purposes so that you could be saved. A whole nation. That doesn't mean that God's not protecting them. That doesn't mean that God's not doing anything. It means that God says, I'm going to take this nation, which was my heart, that came out of the loins of Abraham, that came, out, came from Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, that were from the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve sons of Jacob, that I raised up, in which were my judges, in which were my kings, was my priesthood, all that I've done through them. I raised up that nation for the purpose of getting the Messiah onto the earth. And in getting the Messiah onto the earth, I'm able to love the whole world through Jesus so that anybody who accepts Him will be saved and they will not perish. They will have eternal or everlasting life. And in order to propagate my kingdom upon the earth in that dispensation, my family, my children, I'm going to put them in a unit called the church. And in that church, the gifts and callings of that piece of my kingdom, they're irrevocable. They're irrevocable. You cannot play with the gifts and callings of God. You must have a desire in your heart to find out in your own life what is the gift and calling of God in my life and how is it applicable to the church that God has made me a part of. How can I flow in that gift? How can I flow in that calling? You know, I've noticed people over the years that come and they have a great desire to flow in that gift and calling. And it's like putting a, putting a hand in a glove. They just come in and just flow right into what's going on and they pick up, pick up a, a work there in the, in the nursery and the children's. They sing on the platform. They work in the work in the uh, sound booth, they, uh, they usher, it's just, it's just so easy. And once they get there, you just see them flourish. And what they do is not natural, it's supernatural, each and every. Listen, there's no gifts and callings of God within the body of Christ that are not supernatural. You say, well, all I'm called to do is just come to the altar and if somebody falls down, I just put a cloth on them. It's supernatural. It's supernatural to receive the offering. Supernatural to sing on the praise team. Supernatural to be a part of the sound booth, work with the technical crafts of the ministry. That's supernatural. It's all a supernatural gifting of God. I remember when I was called, when I literally was called to preach. I'm not one of those guys that can say, well, when I was, a, you know, uh, uh, six years old, seven years old, ten years old, I knew I was called. I didn't, I didn't know that. I went to church. I loved the Lord. I was saved. I was filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. But I got away from God, got into a bunch of trouble, and at age 17, which is unique because in the, in the, in the Old Covenant, many of the, many of the kings and the priests and, and the young men that went into the ministry of the, of the Levitical priesthood did it when they turned 17. At age 17, all kinds of trouble, no desire to serve God, God called me to preach. God called me to preach. Wasn't my mother, wasn't my grandmother, wasn't my pastors. It was a supernatural calling in which God spoke into me. Now my mother had had dreams before I was born. She told me later. Before I was born, my mother had had some supernatural dreams about me that had to do with ministry. She never told me those till I went into the ministry. She prayed about them, believed God for them. But when I was 17, God called me through a tongue and interpretation of tongue, through pastors J.R. and, Miss, uh, and we called her Nana, Sister Goodwin, 
And that word literally sitting there or kneeling there in front of them went straight into my spirit, straight into my heart, and became the greatest torment of my life. As I, as I didn't obey God. Understand that. I wasn't obeying God. And for 10 years, from the time I was 17 till the time I was 28, I was totally conscious of that call. It never left me. Never left me. It was there in strength. It was there in purpose. It was there supernaturally. There were times in which I heard the audible voice of God and it just tormented me. I thought to myself, how am I going to live my life like I want to? Let me try that again. Maybe you'll get that. How am I going to live my life like I want to with this haunting in my heart and in my mind? That's what it was. It was haunting me. Listen, if you ever get into disobedience, if you get ever, ever get out of fellowship with God, the gifts and callings of God in your life will haunt you. Make you miserable. Amen? And even the great mercy of God that was displayed in my life when I came back to the Lord on March the 7th, 1984, even with that great mercy, I still didn't want to go into the ministry. But it wasn't about two months till all that was melted away. All that was broken, and I was full-fledged into obeying the calling of God upon my life. Now, you've got to realize that in you naturally... Mm, if I want to go that direction. Well, okay. In you naturally, in your soul, not in your spirit man. Listen, your spirit man wants to run and jump with God. Your spirit man wants to obey. The spirit in you bears witness with the Holy Spirit that you are a child of God. And a child, not just a child, but an heir and a joint heir. But your crazy mind and your wicked body have resistance in them to the calling of God. And your mind will resist you. Satan will get in there. He'll put thoughts. He'll put ideas. He'll try to get you to see things his, his way. He'll try to speak things into your life. He'll try to do all kinds of crazy things to keep you out of the gifts and callings of God. And the reason is, is he, he knows if you ever sell out to God and you serve God with all your strength, with all your heart, and you make a decision, I'm going to follow God, then your potential in the kingdom to demonstrate His defeat goes to an unheard of level. You are a threat to the devil. Oh, let me say that again. You are a threat to the devil. But as long as you've got anything in you in which you say, well, you know, I'm going to try this and I'm going to do this and I, you know, it's kind of my way, but I, I trust God will bless it. <laughs> You're just going to bounce around. You're going to be frustrated. You'll be easily offended. Amen. Easily offended. And you'll find yourself struggling to receive the fullness of the blessings of God. Now, with that in mind, go to... See the best way to do this. I've got so many scriptures. I've been looking at this. Go to, go to Acts chapter 6. Now, here's where I don't want you to get off. You say, well, pastor, you know, you, you've got a gift and, and all these people come in here talking about how good you teach and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, I'm just surely for you it must be much more serious for you than it is for me. I work up at UTMB. Uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I work up at, uh, uh, at one of the 
petrochemical plants. I'm a contractor. Uh, I have a business, and and you know, there, I've got to be. I've got to go. I've got to work. I've got to do that. So you know, I don't have the time. I, I listen. That's the thing. You've got to understand that every calling in the kingdom of God and every calling in the body of Christ is important. It's important to God, and it's important to you. Listen. As powerful as a man as we were able to experience on Sunday morning, uh, an apostle of God has a powerful church, has many, many churches that have risen up under him, has churches all over the world that have risen up under that which he's obeyed God in his life for. As as important as he is, as valuable as he is in the kingdom of God, you are just as valuable. I said, see, that's your problem. That is the first thing God began to do in my life as He began to tell me and show me that whatever I've called you to do, if you become the greatest apostle in the land or if you're called to be the janitor of the church, you're still part of the body of Christ. There's a value on you. There's an importance in you. And it is relative to everybody else that's in the body. And if you you do not see yourself that way, you'll never realize the fullness of the gifts and callings of God in your life. Amen? You've got to see yourself as valuable and important to God and as valuable and important to the church, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here in Acts chapter 6, let's begin in verse 1. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Now, that's where we're believing God. We're believing God that the exponential curve of multiplication is going to hit Island Church. There is addition, then there is multiplication. We've literally lived in an addition season for 18 years. I believe it's time by faith and through perseverance to break out of addition and enter into multiplication. Can anybody agree with that? Numerically, financially, and influence, everything that we do hit a multiplication level, not just an addition level. Amen? Now, that was, that's what was taking place in Acts chapter 6. Uh, uh, the disciples were multiplied. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. Now, remember what's going on. Man, I mean, God's moving. This is about the fifth, sixth, or seventh year of the move of God after the day of Pentecost. Literally, the book of Acts can be, uh, what do you call it, chronologically uh, looked at as, as, as one through 28 years of ministry in the earth after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So this is five to six to seven years of what? Of a lot of people getting saved? Of a great healing revival? Uh, Of all kinds of things? Of financially people selling everything they have and putting it into the body of Christ? And for, for all of this and all the multitude that was gathered in Jerusalem, people started to murmur. Well, it's the same way today. Same thing happens today. People begin to murmur. God's blessing, people get, begin to murmur. It says the widows were neglected. They found out, well, the widows are neglected. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Amen? How many agree that, that, that ministers that are called to teach and preach the word of God should not have to do the janitorial work Should not have to work in the sound booth. Should not have to do everything in the church. That they should give themselves to prayer and to the Word of God. Now listen, 
I've done that all my years of ministry. I've given myself to prayer and to the Word of God. I don't want to be a janitor. I wouldn't be any good at it. I've had 35 years of experience standing on this side of the pulpit. That's That's where I'm going to be the best utilized in the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean I'm a big I and you're a little you. That means we are both receiving the parity of grace in which God is imparting to this body. Somebody should have got that and said hallelujah. Called the multitude, said it's not reason we should leave the word of God and serve as tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Everybody say this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the same well pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost, Philip, Procreus, Nicanor, Timion, Parnemius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid their hands upon them. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands upon them. Now, through prayer and the laying on of hands, they released these men into the ministry of helps. Everybody say ministry of helps. So if you say, well, pastor, what do you think the most important ministry is in the church? You think it's the apostle, the sent forth. You think it's the prophet, the one that, the, uh, the one that uh, points and shows us revelation. You think it's the evangelist, the one that wins the souls. You think it's the pastor, the, the one that has a heart for the church. You think it's the teacher, those that expound on the word. I'd say no, it's the ministry of the helps. Because without the, 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 the ministry of helps, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher cannot function. They cannot function. And with every individual realizing that you have a gift, everybody say, I have a gift, I have a calling. With every person realizing that you have a gift and calling, you must realize that that gift and calling operates, if you're not in the five-fold ministry, that gift and calling operates along the lines of the ministry of helps. Everybody say, helps. Therefore, your true joy, your true victory, Your true, how can I say this? Your true experience in the kingdom cannot be fully fulfilled until you enter into your ministry. It may be something as small as driving the bus on a Sunday morning to help pick up people across the street. Something as as small as, you know, just receiving the offering, working at the You say, well, that's no big thing. It is a big thing. Every part put together creates the functioning body. You know, I, I've said many times how, 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 how proud I am of the church. I don't like to use the word proud. I like to use the word blessed. How blessed we are as a church in the ministry of helps and the volunteer ministry we have. There was a, 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 one of the nights of our fall harvest this year. I, I, I came in and I saw the, the whole auditorium was busy. The, the crowd hadn't come yet. The people weren't here yet. But the ushers were doing some things. The praise team was getting ready. I saw people working up, up in the sound booth. There were people out in the foyer greeting. Uh, there were people uh, walking up and down the hall fellowship. And I went back to the office and I just lifted my hands and I just thanked God for every willing heart in this church that works and does what God's calling you to do. The other day, I was I, last Sunday, Sunday before, I don't know, a couple of Sundays ago, I don't remember which one, I was standing there greeting people as people left, and I was watching the people that were working at the, at the uh, 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 
visitor center, the information center, giving out the gifts and talking to people. And I was just kind of watching them out of my peripheral vision, and I watched how they ministered. There were several guests that Sunday, and how they were ministering, and how what they were doing was supernatural. Welcoming these visitors, making them feel important, giving them a gift, handing it to them talking to them about who they are, why they came, who, uh, uh, where they're from, all of those questions, and just making those people feel very special. That's supernatural. That's a ministry. When you realize that, you realize it does what? It helps. Everybody say it helps. From the praise and worship. Did you know there's no teaching on praise and worship in the New Testament? There's none. But did you know praise and worship is one of the most necessary ministry of helps in a local church. It's got to be developed. People have to be faithful to it. They've got to come to practice. They've got to pray. They've got to learn the songs. They've got to, they've got to submit themselves to an enormous amount of activity in order to produce what gets produced. And here we have pastors coming to this church that pastor thousands of people that record our songs, that listen to what we're doing, and tell us how great our praise and worship is. You say, why is that? Because it's a supernatural ministry. Amen? When you begin to realize that, you begin to realize everything that God wants to do in His body is supernatural because that which is supernatural represents who He is. He is not a natural God. He is a supernatural God. Now notice this. They laid their hands upon them. Now, as the church began to be put in order, as the ministry of helps began to manifest itself, Notice the first thing that happened. I love this. And the Word of God increased. Everybody say the Word of God increased. How many want the Word to increase? Did you know when the Word increases, you increase? I said when the Word increases, you increase. The Word of God, those apostles and those prophets, they begin to get revelation knowledge. They begin to understand things about faith. They begin to understand things about local church and ministry. They had to begin to understand some things about the persecution that they were going through and that which they were fixing to go through. Listen, the Holy Ghost prepares us for that which is coming. The Holy Ghost gets us ready to go through things. Not only that, the Holy Ghost also empowers us to be successful in that which we're going through in order to give glory unto the Lord Jesus Christ and show everybody this is His church and not some denominational church or some man's idea. Amen? So the Word of God increased. Say the Word increases. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. People started getting saved. Amen? All of the structure we've been working on, literally in the past three years, some of the greatest attacks to shut down the church have happened in the last three years. You say, why? Because we have been attempting as a church by the limited amount of knowledge that we have and the vast amount of knowledge that God has in His Word and by the Holy Spirit to put together a structure in which we, at a moment's time, in one service, can capture large amounts of people being saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, or delivered or healed at one time without it hurting the church without it causing the church to fluctuate or to have a problem. Listen, the biggest problems churches have are growing problems that happen outside of the way God says to grow. Now let me say that again. The biggest problem in church growth happens 
in churches that grow outside the perimeters of that which God says, this is how the church should grow. This is how the church should grow. This is how the church... I've read story after story after story from, from Azusa Street. Did you know there's no, no, no church in Azusa Street that's like the church in which the Holy Ghost was poured out in 1907? That church is not there, and there's no church like that. The moves of God that, is, that have happened in churches. Uh, I, I could tell you one up in Houston. Uh, I can tell you uh, one over in Pensacola, Florida. I could talk about a few other churches that I know. The moves of God... Masses amount of people coming in, services every night, sometimes two and three services a day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Most of those churches today do not even exist. Or the church is so ineffective, you'd never know that there was ever revival there. Why is that? Because they went into revival, God's grace, God's mercy, God's sovereignty, God's blessing, but they did not have the structure to contain that which God desired to do. That's why we teach so much line upon line, precept upon precept, who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ, your calling, your purpose in the kingdom. All of these things are designed to create the structure for when harvest really begins to happen, you don't jump and run because you know the place that you are in in your gifts and callings are supernatural, necessary, and needed in the house that God has called you to. Amen? Now, my time's up. Oh, my goodness. Let's close with this. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. One of the greatest demonstrations of God's loving kindness is to begin to draw in the religious. Amen? It's amazing if you will be able if you would uh, uh, just avail yourself to it, we're going to teach on these things. We're going to start stirring the pot on, on personal evangelism and personal revival and, and, and bringing people to church, winning souls, doing all that sort of thing. But it's amazing to begin a process in which you begin to work on an individual. I'm doing that right now on a, on a, on a Hindu guy from Nepal that I've just befriended. Uh, I go in there and and, and buy uh, my fuel and, and talk to him and I've talked to him, I've given him uh, material, I've talked to him and, 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 and talked to him about spiritual things and things in his life and it's working up to a place in which I can bring that individual to a decision. He's so hungry. It amazes me. When I walk in, I can walk into that place and he'll be over here doing something and when he turns and looks, he just lights up. He just lights up. We, we were... We were uh, on a ranch down in South Texas uh, uh, Monday and Tuesday. And, and uh, uh, the guide that Pastor Paul, that was guiding Pastor Paul on his deer hunting trip, is a, is a man that had uh, been in the military, was there uh, many years, was wounded in combat in Iraq, 100% uh, uh, disabled, uh, post-traumatic stress, the whole nine yards. Now, uh, we'd been up there several times. Pastor Sam and I both had, had, had ministered to him, had talked to him. But this week... Pastor Paul, who God has sent to the Philippines to minister to thousands, tens of thousands, he sent him to one man on Monday. One man. And by the time Tuesday rolled around, that man was saved. That man knew that God loved him. When we left, he came to both of us with tears and put his arms around us and loved us and thanked us 
for what we had told him and how Pastor Paul had led him into the kingdom of God. Just practicing what he preached on Sunday morning. Amen? There is something about the move of God when it catches a gear. That religious... You know, I was... I don't know how I got that invitation. I was invited to, to do a meeting for the Catholic Church here in Galveston. Uh, they invited myself and they invited the Muslim uh, uh, imam or whatever you'd call him that runs the, uh, the, the what, do you, what do you call it, a mosque over, over here on, uh, on Broadway, uh, myself, and then the, uh, the Catholic priest. And so uh, we all begin to uh, come in and people begin to greet one another. And they seated me up there with those ministers. And I sat right next to the, to the, to the Muslim guy. And so we started talking. You know, asked me who it was. And, you know, he said, oh, yeah, I've heard of Island Church. You know, all that kind of thing going on. And so I knew where to begin my conversation with him. And that is in a discussion about Abraham. Because the Muslims love Abraham and they love talking about Abraham. And they really love the story of Abraham taking Isaac upon the mountain. So as we're eating breakfast and, and they're doing some preliminaries, we're talking about this. And so it comes time for people to get... Uh, there, was, there was four of us. There was one other person. I'm trying to remember who they are. Because they spake. And then uh, uh, another person, the, the, the Catholic priest, it was a new Catholic priest that had come into town. He spoke. Then this Muslim guy spoke. Then I spoke. I was the last guy. So... Uh, when, by the time it got to his time to speak, he, bless his heart, he, he said a few things to try to disarm people when it came to the Muslim faith. You know, we're not all terrorists, this and that. Then he stopped and he opened up the floor for questions. I thought, oh my goodness, you, you shouldn't have done that. Well, the first thing that happened was a man lifted his hand, stood up and said, well, you know, we believe in Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and we believe that the Spirit of God abides on the inside of us and that, and that He on the inside of us uh, through salvation you know we can hear the voice of God He can lead us, He can guide us. Do you have some type of spirit that you adhere to that comes into the heart of a Muslim? He's standing there like this He looks down at me and goes What did He say? <laughs> so, so what I did is I clarified the question and then answered it for him and he gave the answer that I told him. Well, I mean, from then on, you know, he was my best friend. <laughs> then I got up in front of all those Catholics and just gave my testimony. And they started shouting. By the time it was over, I think Dad was there. They were shouting amen and all this kind of stuff. It was great. But such a hunger was there. Listen, there are people that love God so much they just don't know how to do it. There are Muslims, there are Christians, there are, there are Jehovah's Witnesses, there are Mormons. I mean, there are all kinds of people out there that God is wanting to sweep into the kingdom of God. But it's not until the people of God get into the order that God has set for us in the church. And that is by valuing your personal gift and calling in the kingdom of God and counting it just as important as the pastor. Amen? Now the pastor's got to take the oversight. He's got to feed the flock of God. He's got to be the man and woman of God that God's called him to be. But that does not exalt him above the other people in the church. Amen? You know, I... Uh, oh, uh, I am not against people honoring pastors or ministers. I've done it all my life. 
But I'm a little different than that. A lot of churches, you know, every tick of the clock, every anniversary, just throw it on the floor there, it's all right. <laughs> every anniversary, <laughs> every anniversary, every birthday, every, you know, every time anything happens, we got to have a, you know, honor the pastor banquet, a parade, or whatever. And I was, I was involved in several of those when I was in field ministry and speaking and organizing. And for some reason, it just kind of, I don't know how to describe it. And so I, I uh, you know, I made a decision. You know, if I ever pastor a church, I'm just going to let people be people. You know, I'm not going to get up there and organize my own honor. Amen. I'm not going to get up there and organize my own exhortation. I'm not going to do that. If you want to bless me with something for my birthday or at Christmas, then just do it personally. I don't want to make that a project of the church. You say, why? Because that exalts one person over the rest. It gives you a kind of an uneasy feeling of not... Because, see, I don't want you under me. I want you under the pastor. Now, let me say that again. I don't want you under me, because I can take you to Thessalonians, I can take you to Hebrews and show you where you have to submit, you have to put yourself under the pastoral ministry. That keeps you safe, that blesses you, and empowers your ear to be open to hear what God has to say as the ministry of the Word of God is taught. But I don't want to be exalted into a place in which we all look up to one and then everything else is looking on this. No, we all need to be on this level. We're all just human. It's all just the grace of God. And sometimes people let a little success go to their heads. Well, we never got into that around here. We just want to bless people. But we want each and every person to know that there is a times and seasons in the kingdom of God in which God solidifies, strengthens, or retools that which He's called to become more effective in that which He's called to do. We're entering into that season right now. So we've got to be willing to take our place, excuse me, let's say it like this, to find our place, take our place, and function in our place. Everybody say, find my place, take my place, function in my place. Now, if you will do that, we will come together in strength. You will see we will go into multiplication. You will see the Word of God will increase. You will see multitudes of disciples come into the kingdom. And you will see many religious people Come into the kingdom of God. Now, my last closing. Every church like this church has to overcome the stigma, stigma of what society thinks about it. Now let me say it again. Every church like this church, and when I say this church, I'm talking about all of us, it has to overcome the stigma of what the general area of where we have been placed thinks about us. Thinking outside the body of Christ is formed by every offended, disgruntled, mad, upset, confused individual that has ever come in and out of these doors. That has left the church and think they have reason to stay left. Amen. Let me just say this publicly. There's nobody that has left this church that doesn't have the grace to come back. They just hadn't discovered that grace yet. I said they hadn't discovered that grace yet. You must understand 
that churches that attempt to try to fight that will always find themselves in a fight with the opinion of those that are outside the church. We don't do that. I, I was involved in a situation where we decided to, 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 to start the church and, and people were saying some very brutal things about Lee and I. I had a pastor come to my home and, and I had preached many revivals in his church and his church was really blessed by our ministry. And he, and he sat on my couch and he, he just wept and he said, he said, Rusty, what they're saying about you is not true and what they're saying about you is destroying you in the hearts and the eyes of many people you minister to. This is what he said. You have to tell your story. You know what I said? No, I don't. I said, no, I don't. I'm not going to tell my story. I'm not going to get up publicly I'm not going to talk about what people are saying, what people are doing. I'm not going to give place to the devil. I'm going to allow God to bring restoration. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to pray for those that persecute. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. And he was adamant. No, no, no. If you won't do it, let me do it. I said, no, you can't do it either. I said, you can't do it either. I said, you leave it alone and you let it run the course that God will let it run. Now, what God has done in a company that I helped build, that I had to walk away from, God's put us in a new company. And we were, where we were effective on one level in the kingdom of God, that level has risen. We're so much more effective in the nations of the world. We've been effective here. Listen, the churches in this area are full of people that used to come to Island Church. I'm glad they are. Some of you looking at me funny. I'm glad they are. You say, why? So we can go after some new ones that don't go to church, that don't know Jesus, that have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that have never been healed, that's not been delivered from... Our harvest is not in the churches of Galveston. Our harvest is outside the churches. It's in the bars, in the streets. It's in the business offices, in the in UTMB, in the petrochemical. That's where our harvest is. It's not in the churches of this island. I had a pastor tell me, some people had left this church and gone to that church. And he told me, he said, uh, speaking of one, he said, they're the best servants in my church. How did you train them people to do that? I said, I just taught them the word. Just taught them the word. So you have to understand, what God does, He only, he only, he only does His way. Yeah, right. Everybody say, amen. No, 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 you got to hear that again. What God does, He only does His way. And the greatest resistance we have, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of myself, not you. The greatest resistance in our own lives is that stinking flesh we wear and that crazy mind that spins around up in our head in which we're resistant many times not to what God wants, what He wants to do, but how He wants to do it and how He wants to use us in it. Amen. So thank God we're being healed of that. We're growing out of that. And we're going to contain the structure necessary for many souls to get saved and for God to move in a powerful way. Amen? Did you receive from the Lord tonight? Give the Lord a shout. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name. Now before I pray, please remember what we were saying about Sunday. Uh, prepare your favorite side dish. All of those different things. Don't forget all of our different announcements. And we'll look forward to a great day on Sunday. Amen? Amen? It's going to be fun. Celebrating Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you that the Word of God is increasing 
here at Island Church. By precept and example, by the Word and by the Spirit, we're entering into a new season of effectiveness in your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for the harvest that you've placed us in. For protection and safety, we are so grateful. We thank you here at Island Church that you've watched over us over the years. Your blessing has been awesome. And during this holiday season, those that are traveling, going to loved ones, flying in the airways, traveling on the highways, those that may even go by train, those that may go by, by boat out in the ocean, however we travel, we declare the protection and safety afforded us. Psalms 91 is the word which we claim and stand on. No evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Lord God. The righteous labor of our hands, we thank you. We're protected in every endeavor from the ocean to the medical to the petrochemical to the education to everything that we do to, for, to provide blessing and income in life. Thank you that we're not subject to trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, fathers. we leave tonight. Lord, this is our prayer that the effectiveness of what we heard on Sunday, what we'll begin to hear in the next few weeks, will erupt in our spirits in such a way that our participation level in the harvest will go through the roof and many sons and daughters will be birthed into the kingdom of God. Let us be an answer to prayer, a problem to the devil, a miracle in somebody's life. Let us give that which we have freely received that will cause blessing to come. As we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You have called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgallison.com.